Hi, I'm Adam Henson, and I've teamed up with Agria Pet Insurance to discuss everything you'll need to know about your beloved pets. Are you all ears? Hello, and welcome back to the All Ears podcast. For this episode, we're covering all things feline, something you cat lovers will no doubt be able to get your claws stuck into. Now, with cats generally being a more independent pet, it's easy to assume that they're happy to be left to their own devices, napping by the window and coming for occasional cuddle on the sofa. But like humans, all cats have their own individual personalities, needs, likes and dislikes. So it's important to understand why they are the way they are when it comes to providing the very best care for them. From the big questions we all wonder to fun facts you may not have thought about before, we're about to delve into why cats make the best company for so many and ways we can do the same for them. Today, we're joined by Dr. Rory Cowlam, also known as Rory the Vet. Now, Rory is a small animal surgeon, TV personality and activist specialising in education and communication to change public perception of vets. This work has led to Rory being nominated for the Animal Star Awards, Vet of the Year 2018 and 2019, and landing a leading role on the Pets Factor children's TV show. With all this experience and knowledge in the pet world, I'm really looking forward to having him join us as we unveil all the tips and tricks to do with our favourite feline friends. Rory, it's great to have you with us today. So can you kick off with a couple of cat facts that we can use on our own pets? Yeah, cats are great, aren't they? Um, they are the most popular uh, pet in Britain. Uh, more more households have a cat than dog. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I did look up a few before you uh, before we got on this. So, um, firstly, this is one I, I knew, and, and actually, um, I think probably a lot of owners will know as well. But yeah, they they'll tell us. Did you know that meowing is actually for human communication, not cat to cat communication? They they've actually developed that communication to to speak to their owners. And they'll have multiple different meows for different things. So there'll be something like a distress meow. There'll be a content meow. There'll be a where are you meow. And actually, I regularly see owners come in and they report those things as well. That's extraordinary. I had, I had no idea about that. Any others? Yeah. So um, the, the longest living domestic cat. Any ideas how long it uh, lived? For 18 years. Try 38 no, amazing. Yeah, 38 years. It was in Texas, apparently. Um, but I, I looked that up for you. And then um, last one, uh, unlike humans, so m- most humans are, are, are right-handed. Actually, most cats, it's been shown, are left paw dominant. Goodness there me, go. that's extraordinary. And what would be the average age of a cat? So, you know, from my experience, you're looking at around 15 years, something like that. You occasionally get the anomalies that live beyond the 20 years. And I'll never forget being a, a young vet in practice. And in my first week, I saw a cat that was older than me. Uh, so uh, they, they do happen. Um, and unfortunately, the converse happens. But yeah, around 15 would be about right. Incredible. So, Rory, we've searched some of the most searched questions online surrounding cats. And hopefully, with all of your experience, you'll be able to advise us. So with cat health, how long do our cats live for? And what can we do to help them live a long and healthy life? So you've already answered a bit of that, but what about living a long and healthy life? Yeah, so for me, there's really, there's two main things there. Um, Number one, feed them an appropriate diet. We, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that food is the best medicine, both in human and in animal health. And if you're feeding an appropriate life stage diet, then you, the, your cat's going to be getting everything it needs from its food. Um, and secondly, regular vet visits. Uh, I'm biased, of course. Um, but yeah, at least once a year, getting in to see your vet so they can pick up any 
uh, any changes that, that could just be an indicator of early stage diseases. Perfect. And is it OK for us to give our cats treats? You talk about, you know, food being really important. So can we give them cheese and milk and those sorts of things? Yeah. So um, this is, again, two parts to that question. Uh, firstly, yes, treats are fine. But um, the latest studies show that over half of cats are considered to be obese. So everything in moderation is the phrase there, I think. Um, and yeah, so with, with treats, you've got to be sensible about what you're using. I personally like to be using um, treats that are close to 100% meat. Uh, so whether that be freeze-dried little bits of fish or, or uh, air-dried chicken or something like that that's nice and healthy and lean. Um, you mentioned milk and cheese. Uh, unfortunately, cats are lactose intolerant, so um, they're not to have milk. You can buy things like kitten milk and cat-specific milks in the supermarkets. Uh, I generally try and avoid them. They're full of sugar and rubbish. Um, so, you know, I, I have in the past on rare occasion, uh, advise people to just drop a little bit of milk in their water bowl if they're really struggling to get them to drink, because sometimes that can just give it a little bit of flavor and get them drinking. But uh, generally, uh, the lactose products are a bit of a no. That's incredible, isn't it? Because you sort of see those um, farm storybooks and there's always a cat in the dairy, isn't there, nicking a bit of the cow's milk. Yeah, but I think out in the in the farm, it doesn't matter whether they're doing nice loose stools all up the, the side of the farm buildings. I think when they're in your house and you're giving them milk and then they go over your bedroom carpets, it's probably a bit different. <laughs> Be warned, those of you who choose <laughs> to feed your cat's milk. Um, so, um, and why do they eat grass? You often see cats and dogs actually chewing on grass. Yeah, so that's that's got a number of different answers to it, that question. Um, and no one really knows. Uh, we, we know that when cats feel sick, they will eat grass and same with dogs. So um, that, that sort of fibrous vegetation can irritate the gut. It can irritate the esophagus and the stomach, meaning that they then vomit if they eat in large quantities. Um, so it can sometimes be that they're feeling a bit sick. And that's a natural behavior. So I wouldn't necessarily limit it. Um, the other reasons we see it are sometimes if the, the cat has a bit of a deficiency or something underlying, you know, they're not getting 100% of the nutrients they need. Sometimes they'll go looking for that from vegetation. Um, so again, another reason they could naturally do it. And then thirdly, some animals are just weird and they do it. Um, and we don't know why. <laughs> so this, um, coughing, being sick thing that I have to say, we've got a cat and it does reasonably regularly. Um, is that normal or is, or is that something to be worried about? Yeah, it's one of my first questions to all cat owners whenever I see a cat that's being sick is how sickly is your cat? Because, you know, we do know that some cats normally vomit monthly, every few weeks, something like that. To be honest, generally my cutoff is if they're vomiting every week, that that seems too much to me. Um, and I'm sure there'll be vets out there that go, ah, no, that's fine. And there'll be vets out there that go, no, a cat should never vomit. But for me, I, I find that's a relatively happy medium. And any cat that is vomiting over weekly, you know, I think it probably warrants either trialing a different diet firstly. Um, and then secondly, maybe just speaking to your vet, just, just check that there isn't, isn't something you can change. Now, these aren't ones I've got off the internet. It's just that I'm quite interested. <laughs> Good. No, what, that, about, that, what about furballs? Are they a thing? Yeah, absolutely. They're a thing. And, and uh, we're, we're coming off the back of uh, summer here. I don't know how quickly this podcast is going to go out, but we're coming off the back of summer. And it's something we've seen huge amounts of with the heat uh, over the last couple of months. And um, as it gets warmer, the cats, you know, they, they shed more, they groom more, they eat more hair, therefore they vomit. And the, those hairballs and the hairballs... Um, 
they're completely natural. You know, it's, it's a completely natural thing for these guys to do. Uh, and, and it sits in the stomach and it's, it, causes, it, causes, it forms what's called a trichobozoa, which is basically a, a hair ball. It's the scientific term for it in the stomach, and then they vomit it up, and it often come up as a big, long sausage-shaped thing because that just because it goes through their esophagus, and actually can cause issues. But um, but usually, yeah, it's it's nothing to worry about. Extraordinary. Thank you very much. And so another question here: um, Why do cats like to catnip? Yeah, so that's a weird one. Catnip. Um, so some cats don't respond to catnip. Did you know that? Um, you know, it, it's called catnip because it was noted back in the however many years ago that the cats went nuts for it. And th- I've even had people liken it to things like drugs for cats. Um, but it's not. It's not a drug. It doesn't do anything negative. And it can send them a bit loopy. Um, but, you know, it, I think it's, it's probably one of those that's, again, everything in moderation. On my own cat hates the stuff you know he's completely indifferent to it um so you know it's it's one of those that we don't I, I don't fully understand it um but it's absolutely warranted in, in in normal sort of cat households and it can be quite nice to to help help with uh getting used to new places as well now i have to admit i think i read that question wrong so i said to, why do cats like to catnip because i thought catnipping was when I was thinking napping when they have a little sleep. <laughs> so I've got I like that. completely wrong. <laughs> so, so what is catnip? Catnip is it. just a, it's just a herb. It's, it, it's, it's a herb. It, it, it's a natural green thing, basically. It's got quite a smell to it. You quite often get it impregnated into toys. You can buy just catnip in tins that you can sprinkle on things. Um, it's, it is essentially just a, a herb that's got a particular smell. That, that, that triggers basically cats just to go a bit loopy, which uh, then they love it and they you roll around. And if you, but after this, you need to go, go and Google cat on catnip, and it, you know you get these weird sort of cats rolling around like they're yeah they're slithering in it and stuff. It's quite sweet. Oh, well, there we go. It shows how ignorant I am, and my yeah. is depriving my cat of um, having the joy of <laughs> some catnip. <laughs> okay, so let's move now on to cat safety. Um, are lilies poisonous to cats? What do you think? Well, I think the pollen is poisonous to them. Um, and yes, that's what I've been told. So, yes, you're half right. Um, so the, the short answer is yes, lilies are toxic to cats. Not all lilies are, though. So it's important to remember that things like peace lilies are not toxic. So because uh, I, I, I regularly have people get the cats and then go, oh, I threw my peace lily out. I'm like, oh, well, you didn't need to, but OK, well done. Um, <laughs> I, I've, I've got a peace lily. I'm very proud of my peace lily. And, uh, and yeah, I, I know how much that would have hurt. But um, no, the, the, the classic floral uh, in a bouquet of flowers, lilies with the big, big white stamen and you know, th- those ones that produce a load of pollen. Yes, they're very, very toxic. And actually going a bit further than what you, you said, every part of the plant is toxic. So the, the, the pollen, the, the leaves, the, the petals, the stem and even the water that they have been sat in. And that's the important one. So the, the two times we often see it is cats will go and drink out of a, a vase with lilies in it. That's very, very toxic. And then the, the pollen obviously can, can jo- uh, drop onto their coat. Then they groom themselves because cats are very cl- clean creatures. Um, and then that will, again, cause toxicity. And briefly, it causes very severe acute kidney failure. So it is incredibly, incredibly important that cat owners are aware of it. And to be honest, if I could choose one, one toxin that all cat owners in the country knew about it would be lilies 
Well, fascinating. Well, hopefully everyone listening has taken that on board. Thank you. Um, so now fleas. They're a bit of a problem, aren't they? How do we check for fleas on a cat? And what's the best way to both prevent them and get rid of them? Yeah, so fleas are an interesting one. Um, a quick, quick fun fact for you. Um, all fleas found on dogs pretty much exclusively are cat fleas. Uh, so the, the cat flea is the, is the prevalent one. It's the one we see a lot of. Um, and yeah, there are bugger to be honest um they cause itching they can cause hypersensitivity reactions and allergies they they can cause horrible skin disease and, and you know sometimes i get dogs come in and i'm like oh that can't just be fleas or cats come in that can't just be fleas and it really is it's just awful so um checking for fleas firstly um everyone who owns a cat should own a cat uh, a flea comb without a shadow of a doubt just get one they're about 50p online just buy yourself one have it on the shelf and once a week just run through your cat's coat it should be part of the grooming anyway. Um, and you sh- number one, it helps you bond with your cat grooming them. But number two, you can just check that coat for any little bits of flea dirt. Now, it's very, very rare you actually see fleas. You more often than not see flea dirt. Dirt being the nicer name for poo. Um, and fleas eat pretty much exclusively blood. Uh, so what you can do, if you're finding little bits of black in your, in your cat's coat, and you're going, well, I'm not sure, they're not itchy. It might just be muck from outside, particularly if you live on a farm. Um, and I, I don't really know. Then the best thing to do is get yourself a piece of white paper or a white surface, knock that black stuff out onto that surface and then wet it and watch over about 60 seconds to two minutes. It'll start bleeding if it's flea poo. Um, and it'll start to basically dissolving down into sort of red streaks. And if you're seeing that, your cat has fleas and you need to get a treatment onto them. Um, now, Conversely, um, and really going del- delving in deeply into the, the the flea issue, we're starting to see flea treatments in waterways. And as a farmer, I know you'll be passionate about these sorts of things in the ecosystems and the ecology. It's a real concern from an eco standpoint. So, I personally recommend that my clients do not treat monthly for fleas, and that is a very backwards thing for a vet to be saying Uh, a lot of my colleagues will be listening to this and going what are you doing um but as long as you are vigilant and you keep an eye and you react if you're seeing fleas on your cat i personally don't think you need to be using pesticides on a monthly basis and it's just my opinion and that is formed from a eco standpoint as well as a as a as an animal health standpoint um if you are an owner that knows that number one you're going to completely freak out if you get fleas number two you've got young kids or multiple animals it's going to be a nightmare if you get fleas and number three you're just so busy you're never going to check your cat's coat do monthly treatments that's fine but if you are one of these owners that can be vigilant then you can cut the amount of chemicals you're using I think that's really sounds very, very sensible. Just as, as a quick aside, as a farmer, we used to um, drench our sheep with an internal wormer, you know, with an anthelmintic yeah. to stop stomach worms. And now we don't. We take dung sample salt for, from them, we test, and then we treat for what they've got if they've got them. It saves right. us money and, um, and it helps the environment and, and the animals. So, yeah, it, it seems to make a lot of sense what you're saying. Right, absolutely. And, um, and I'm, I'm learning so much from this. I didn't know all those things about fleas. And I'm going to go and get, a, I have got a flea comb and I'm going to go and get my cat and I'm going to get some white paper. And, uh, and I'm probably going to have to gonna go down the vets to get some flea paper. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any particular flea treatment we should be looking for? 
Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the key there is use prescription level ones. Um, do, do get them from your vet or get your vet to write your prescription so you can get them online. But don't use the shop bought ones. Actually, the, the higher levels in the waterways were the, the, the fipronil and the uh, permethrins, which are the ones in the shop bought ones, um, because often they're not used in high enough levels. And you'll know from anthelmintics and sheep, if you don't drench them with an appropriate dose, you end up with resistance and all sorts of stuff. So um, just use a prescription level treatment from your vet. OK, thank you very much. So is it safe to let my cat out at night and are they at risk around foxes? Well, I live on a farm. My cat's out every night. It's never been eaten by a fox. <laughs> I was going to say, you'll have an opinion on this one. And, and I'm, I'm from the Cotswolds. I, I let my cats out 24-7, you know. And I think this is relevant for city livers. Um, and, you know, I'm now in London and, and this is definitely something that I get asked regularly. Um, honestly, I've only ever seen one cat attack by a fox. Uh, that I can 100% say was a fox. More often than not, cats are attacked by cats because they're territorial and they can be nasty and they just fight each other. Um, foxes, unless they are protecting a uh, um, their, their, their young or the cat's gone and explored into a set, it, it's unlikely, uh, oh, sorry, Dan, it's unlikely that they're going to be attacked by a fox. Um, the other thing is cats can give a real nasty bite. So most foxes are sensible enough that they, they don't take them on unless they're really struggling for food during the, the spring months. And the one time I have, just on the side, the one time I have seen a cat attacked by a fox was because someone accidentally locked, uh, locked a fox in their shed uh, and the cat liked to sleep in the shed um, and jumped in the window, landed in there with the fox. There was a Barney. And the fox came off worse. So, you know, I think um, I think in reality, people worry a, a bit much about their, their, their cats being attacked by foxes. And just to round off that question, um, the more concerning thing is actually cars in London, you know. So I'd, I'd be careful. A, a lot of um, cat flaps these days have a, an auto locks and you can just lock that, say, after 10 p.m. or something like that. So that they just stay in overnight. Um, but. It, it, you know your cat best. If your cat's a bit of a plonker, um, I would probably keep them in. If they're if they're generally pretty streetwise, then you know let them do what they want. Just let's move on then onto the cat aggression to one another, because you mentioned that often they beat each other up. Um, yeah. How do you protect them against that? You, you, well, in London, you can't. Honestly, it's it's so difficult. Um, and my general approach to this is you've kind of just got to let it work itself out. Because the reason they're doing that is that they're territorial and they're trying to uh, they're trying to fight for that territory and and develop a hierarchy. And it often it, it'll often come in fits and starts, and it'll be when new cats move into different areas or away from different areas, and there's a territory battle. But once the equilibrium is set, generally, and it is a sweeping generalization, things will settle down and they will let each other live in relative harmony. Um, the best piece of advice I can give people on that point, and this again, it goes for city livers, because as you know, in the countryside, it doesn't really happen. Um, but it, it, city livers, where there's cats on top of cats on top of cats, make sure your cat has, a, has an escape. So don't let other cats in your house. If other cats are trying to come in your cat flap or in your windows, which does happen, get a one-way cat flap or get a microchip cat flap that only works for your cat um shut the windows make sure that your cat sees your house as a safe space because if they're being picked on they need an escape because otherwise they will just be attacked again and again um so that's probably the only real thing that you can do um there are things like cat safe 
um, like barriers for your gardens and stuff like that. I'm not a huge fan of that. That's just restricting your cats. So I think you kind of just got to let it, let it happen, um, but making sure they've got an escape. I was told once, and um, this is probably going to make lots of people run to zoos. If you've got a little garden and um, you've got cats coming in to, to, <laughs> to either mess in your garden or attack your cat, go to the zoo and get some lion poo and then sprinkle that around the edge of your garden. And then the neighbouring cat comes up and sniffs it and thinks, my word, there's a lion in there. I'm not going in That's excellent. I love that. I wonder if that works. I, I really want that. Goodness only knows. I'll let you try it. And uh, you're, you're probably the only person who could go to a zoo and get some lion poo. Uh, anyway, there we go. Um, so, um, so how about if you move house? Of course, lots of people do that all the time. Take their kitten or the cat with you. Um, how do you make them realise that that's their new home? Yeah, so... Um, Lots of TLC, um, and you, it's important that you tie them to the house before you start letting them out. So keeping them in until you think your cat is nice and settled in the home. Um, a, a point there is the further afield you move, the less time you probably have to keep your cat in, slightly weirdly. So you know if you're moving round the corner, more often than not, you want to keep them in longer because they know where they are and they will just go to their old home. Uh, if you're moving 20 miles away, oh well. Um, but yeah, keep them until they're nice and tied to the house um, and just go back to the kitten. Um, you know, when you first let them out, they, those principles. So let them out just, just before feeding times, um, shaking a box of food, making sure they only go out for an hour or two at a time to start with and just building it up. And, and most cats will, will, will adjust to it relatively well. Um, and, uh, and then the other thing that can sometimes be an issue, and, and it's probably one of the times of times of life that we see a lot of stress related related disease in cats is, is when they're moving home so using things like feliway diffusers or pheromone diffusers um using calming sprays making sure that you're taking all the blankets and bedding that they're used to from their new home into their old home so just doing those things to try and help them you know adjust to that move because they've not decided to move that's been that's been your decision great thank you very much We all need a little help to be a great pet parent. So for those times when your four-legged best friend needs some extra care, Lifetime Insurance from Argria is there for you and for them. With up to £12,500 of vet fees cover every year, Argria's dog and cat lifetime policies have been recognised as which best buys. So whatever's around the corner, take the worry away and let Argria protect your special bond. Visit argriapets.co.uk for your quote and use the promo code EARS, E-A-R-S, for your first month free and a luxury hamper for your pet. So let's move on to cat behaviour now then. Uh, so can cats actually see in the dark? They can't see in the dark, but they can see better in low light is the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> very so good, very well worded. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, but cats have a, a um, when you look at cat's eyes and the reason that the roads are called cat's eyes that on the, on the road, um, they're very reflective. And that's what's what we call a tepetal reflex. So the reason they have that, uh, that very, very obvious tepetal reflex is because their pupil can open up massively and they can absorb and, and reflect more light than our eyes, which means that in low light, they can see better because they, they can react to, to more incoming light than we can. Great, thank you. Now, this is uh, one that I um, didn't know. Uh, why are cats afraid of cucumbers? Are they afraid of cucumbers? Uh, this, honestly, so this, is, this, this actually is one of my massive pet peeves. <laughs> 
if you Google cat cucumber, they, they dozens and well, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos of cats being surprised by cucumbers come up. And basically, for whatever reason, someone realized that cats are afraid of cucumbers. And it's not all cats, but there's a, there was a trend online of cat owners filming their cats, putting a, cat, a cucumber behind them and then getting them to turn around. And quite often they will spring in the air six feet because they're, they are scared of the cucumber. Now, there are many speculated reasons for this, and I don't think there is a specific one. But the one I've heard more than others is that cats are, because they descend originally from desert animals, they think a cucumber is a snake and apparently are scared of snakes and therefore uh, therefore jump. I'm not entirely sure how much truth is behind that, but that's the, that's the explanation that I have seen and read in more places than others. I wonder whether it works with courgettes and marrows. I think it does. I think it does. <laughs> Probably massive marrows, that's got to be a boa constrictor if it's a big marrow. <laughs> Very good. And um, do cats see colour? Less than us. So again, it's similar to dogs. So dogs um, have a narrower range of wavelengths they can see. So, so do cats. And so they, they can see variation. They just don't see as much as us. Great. All right. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, so why do they do their purring? Why do cats purr? So purring is a contentment and, they're, and they, they're, there's actually a range of megahertz that they will purr at. Um, and uh, depending on the, the hertz of the purr, I mean, Cats will have natural variants in that. It can mean different level, different levels of contentment and different things. So you can get things like content purrs, which are often quite nice and slow and calm. You can actually get stress purrs. So sometimes in the vets, I'll have a, a cat come in on the on the uh, the clinic table, and I like to think I'm quite a calm presence. However, um, sometimes they'll be they'll be purring, and then they'll turn around and they'll hiss and spit, and I go. Well, yeah, that's a stress purr. Um, so it, it, people think of a purr as a, as a nice, good thing, and it, it isn't always. Um, so there are a number of reasons they can. We have a cat at home, as I mentioned, and sometimes it's purring, and I'll notice it's tail twitching, and then sometimes it just goes around and whacks me. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a stress purr. <laughs> Great. And so finally, um, why do cats need us? Do they need us? Oh, God, no. Any cat owner knows they don't need us. Um, I mean, that, there's that, oh, that's that old uh, saying, uh, dogs have uh, owners, cats have uh, slaves. <laughs> and it's just, you know, they, they really do. I mean, they just, they need us for food. And occasionally, they need us for a bit of TLC. But in reality, they're pretty independent. And that's probably why they are the nation's favourite pet. Um, they are, they do their own thing. You can leave them for decent lengths of time. They're pretty chilled. I mean, cities are not great places for them, I must admit, and that's probably uh, why I see so many of them in the clinic, to be honest. But as you know, being in the countryside, having a cat, it's a relatively easy job. It's quite nice, and they just generally do their own thing. So one last question that's not on the list, but for me then. You, you mentioned right mm. at the very beginning about, you know, food. You know, you are what you eat, healthy diet, healthy cat. How do you choose your food, and how often should you be feeding them? Yeah, so the food, um, in reality, there is a bit of paralysis of choice nowadays with cat foods and dog foods. Um, every, it seems like everyone has decided they're going to just make 
a new bougie cat food that's sort of human grade meat made in a kitchen in central London and uses stuff from Smithfield Market. You know, it, 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 I must admit, I think we've gone gone too far uh, in certain cases. But um, you know, as long as you're feeding a complete diet, that to be honest is the most important word for me. Um, cats are obligate carnivores. So they do need meat in their diet. Anyone that's considering feeding a vegetarian or vegan diet to your cat, please either get in touch with me or just don't do it. Um, so, you know, any food that has got a good nutritionist been working on it from a reputable brand that has got meat in it and, you know, is is well tested and approved by the Pet Food Manufacturers Association is fine by me. The other important note on food is feed an appropriate life stage. And what I mean by that is feed a kitten food to kittens, an adult food to adults, and a senior food to seniors. I know it sounds like common sense, but honestly, I feel like I need to say that. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. And, uh, you know, it, the, the other, I suppose while we're on food, one of the other things I hear a lot is I feed my cat wet food or, or wet and dry, because if I feed them just dry food, I'm going to give them kidney disease. And that is, a, that is a complete myth. Um, and it's, it's exacerbated by scaremongering on the internet, unfortunately. If you feed your cat just dry food, you will not give them kidney disease. You've heard it here. Please soundbite that and throw it everywhere because it is so important that people know that and people lose sleep over it. But dry food is often a, a very good option. It's complete. It's, it's, good. it's half decent for their teeth or better for their teeth than wet food. We we'll, won't go into that debate. Um, but as long as you're feeding that and accompanying it with fresh water changed on a daily basis, you will not give your cat kidney disease. Simple as. And quantity? As much as they need. Is, <laughs> is, that, is that an okay answer? I feel like that's a cop-out. Um, not too much and not too little. Uh, so for me, it's a case of enough to keep their weight stable. And as I said earlier, um, more than half of cats are considered obese which is a disgusting statistic. Um, So especially, I think the thing about that statistic that drives me mad is we are completely in control of what we feed our animals. Um, I mean, say that bar the cat that eats at six different neighbours' houses and and then comes home. Um, But it's about... It's about consistency. It's about keeping your cat a good weight. It's about making sure they're doing enough exercise. Um, so, you know, number of times a day, I think you also asked two or three would be fine. To be honest, if you're trying to get your cat to lose weight, actually often more is best. So you could even go four or five times a day, just spaced out in small amounts. And small amounts often quite often palliate that drive for hunger. So I used to have a really greedy indoor cat. I used to wake up at 3 a.m., um, but I used to set a time of feeder six times uh, throughout through 24 hours. And there, I mean, literally like seven biscuits, but it kept him happy because it was regular and it didn't get full round to his hunger cycle. So um, whatever fits for your cat and, and you can, you know, you can use trial and error and just trial different things. But yeah, making sure that their, their overall intake for the day um, is, is what it says on the back of the packet or less. And, and uh, there's another point there, I suppose, is often cat foods will overestimate how much food your cat needs um, because they never get in trouble for that they will get in trouble if they tell you not to feed enough they will not get in trouble for overfeeding so um, always just knock about 10% off the bag well Rory thank you very much for joining us today I've learned a huge amount and I'm sure the all ears listeners are keen to hear more from you so where can they find you online or otherwise and where might they go if they want to read anything of yours 
So, uh, yeah, I am Rory the Vet uh, on all social medias, nice and easy, uh, all social medias, and uh, my website is rorythevet.com, and, and I write for a number of different people. Um, so uh, the Animal Journal is a, a really great place that I, I write regularly, um, but if you, if you go on social media, that's generally the first port of call. Thank you again, Rory, and a big thanks to you all for listening to the fifth and final episode of this series of All Ears. Now, please leave a rating and review and let us know what you've enjoyed hearing about in this series. You can also follow Argria on its social channels at Argria Pet or visit them at www.argriapet.co.uk. 